Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. I was, we were camping, I think we were in outside Pierce, South Dakota at a campground and I was a kid, I was probably eight years old or something, and I was swinging on a swing and that was one of my favorite things to do and, and I was singing this spontaneous song to the Lord and His presence just freaked me out. I jumped off that swing and <laughs> I I didn't know what was going on, but I'd never felt anything like that before and I wasn't sure if it was good or not. So so part of what the Lord has to do with us as as we enter into becoming his people is is we uh, get to a place where we, we can have peace and joy in His presence and, and not run from it. Because a, a lot of what would cause us to run from His presence are, are these wrong ideas of Him and, and these wrong ideas of what He thinks of us. That, that we... We sometimes have an idea that because of what's happened in, in this the last few days or the last week or, or whatever, and, and we, we come into his presence, we, we think, you know, I, I don't have any right to do this. I'm, my heart's not right. I haven't done right. I'm just a mess. And, and we, we just got to get over that. Because he, he just wants us to come. And, and minister to him what, what he deserves. And man, when we do that, everything changes. Um, then, then his grace comes and empowers us to, to do right this next week and, and just change our heart. And uh, he, he just does so many things we can't even put names on uh, when, when he comes close to us, but it's, it's all good. Uh, so, Lord, I just, I ask you to convince us more and more of, of your goodness. Uh, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for your people this morning. I, I pray that you would renew our minds, that you'd raise our, our thinking our expectations, our, our faith, our, our belief in, in who we are, who you've called us to be, what you've called us to do, and what you are capable of. In Jesus' name. <laughs> if you want to have more fun, you might want to go down the hall. <laughs> Well, I, I shared with the Encounter Weekend people uh, last weekend 
I don't think I've shared with you guys on a Sunday morning. I've been listening to this um, series by Bill Johnson on prosperity with a purpose, uh, thanks to Arnie. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really good. And some of what I am going to share today, it was inspired by uh, some of what Bill Johnson said, but we're, we're still talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, and, and he was talking about giving. And it's, it's interesting um, how uh, what he was talking about just part of it just fit what, what we're doing. And it, it really, it, it caused a shift in, in my thinking about the whole nature of spiritual warfare and, and our call into spiritual warfare, this, this war that we're born into. And as once we become born again, we're, we're enlisted. In, into this army. Yeah. So we're, we're going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 today. And it's, it's a, a passage that is all too familiar to us. We, we read this passage from Genesis chapter 1 and we think we know what it means. And uh, Bill Johnson put this passage, Genesis 1.28, in, in a whole new light for me. And it, it caused me to dig deep into the Hebrew language. And it, it caused me to look into every commentary set that I own, which, which is a whole bunch. And... None, not, not one of, of the commentators had, had any uh, unique light about this verse. And, and so uh, what, what I want us to understand, because I, I think Genesis 1.28 is, is so instructive for us, about God's original intent for human beings on planet Earth. And, and we have, at least the, the church in the last few generations, since I'm, you know, I, I must have looked at 20 different commentaries on, on this verse, and none of them got into the stuff that we're going to get into today. Because uh, I think some of it goes back to, it's, it's sad, but some of our biblical understanding, and, and we, we have to understand this, at least I won't accuse you, I'll just tell you about me. Some, some of my biblical understanding goes back to when I was a kid, and it's, it's just stuff that I assumed and, and it's not right. So 
I, I want you to think back. You know, we're all familiar with the creation story. How Adam was was the, the crown jewel of creation, created in the image of God, and then Eve created to be his counterpart so that they could fulfill God's desires for humankind on the earth. But God placed Adam and Eve in, in this wonderful garden that, that we call the Garden of Eden. But what was the rest of the earth like at that time? Well, well, the answer is we, we don't really know from Scripture. And, and as, as a kid, I, I mean, this is the only place this, this understanding could have come from, was just assuming things as a kid. Well, I just assumed since Adam and Eve were in this beautiful garden of Eden, well, wasn't the whole earth a beautiful garden? Well, no, it wasn't. Because... Genesis tells us that the Lord planted this garden for Adam and Eve for, so that they would have a beautiful place to live. And it was of, of such a size that Adam and Eve could keep and, and tend this, this beautiful garden place that the Lord had made for them. Outside of the garden, we, we don't really know what it was like, but I'm, I'm thinking it was full of potential to become beautiful, to become something good for people, but I don't think it was that initially. You with me? Okay. So let's go ahead and look at this one verse that, that we're going to spend a lot of time on today. Uh, Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. That pretty much encompasses everything that they were to rule over. Every living thing on the face that, that moves on the face of the earth. Because technically, even plants move as they grow. Okay? <laughs> So essentially, they, they were given authority, dominion to administer all of creation for the Lord. So we have to think about what their life was like in the garden. We, we know that, that they had this amazing, unbelievable relationship 
with God where, where they would take walks with him in the cool of the day. And they didn't die. They were right next to God walking through this beautiful garden. They, they had full and complete access to God. And full access to all the wisdom of God. I, I presume they, they had access to the power of God. So they, they were called to be the managers of, of this thing that God had created, earth. And in, in this verse, they, they are given their responsibilities as, as the administrators, the stewards, the managers of, of earth. So I, I want to dig in a little bit to what these five things that God told them to do mean. Okay? So the, the first one was to be fruitful. And, and, and let's, let's go back to our original understanding, okay? Or, again, I won't accuse you, I'll, I'll accuse myself. To my, and, and not only my, but all the commentators that I read, we, we all seem to have had a similar understanding of what this verse means. Go have lots of babies and populate the earth. Because that's basically what they all said. Now be, be fruitful and multiply. Have, have lots of children, fill the earth with humans, and, and have fun. There's so much more here than that. And, and the thing is, it, what, what grabbed me about spiritual warfare, you know, the spiritual warfare that we are in, God has, has essentially, I'll, I'll tell you where we're going with, with this right now. Uh, as, as God called Adam and Eve to do these things, he's, he's calling us as his born-again people, the followers of Jesus, to do the same thing. And there was this period of, of a few thousand years in between where human beings couldn't really do it. Because what happened, we know as, as we continue to read the Genesis story, that, that there was a fall, that Adam and Eve sinned, and that, that really that changed everything. They, they had to leave the garden. They, they no longer had access to the presence of God, the, the keys of authority that they had been given to administer the earth were taken from them. And they were given to the enemy. They were given to Satan who had deceived them. And, and by Adam and Eve submitting their wills to Satan instead of God, 
Satan was given what had been given to Adam and Eve, their authority to have dominion over the planet. Very sad. See, in Genesis chapter 1, there is only one kingdom on the earth. It's God's kingdom. It's, it's the only one. We know Satan was thrown out of heaven and, and he, he had to come to earth. And he, he was right there to try to get his own kingdom and he, he was successful. After the fall, we now have another kingdom on the earth. There's still only one kingdom on the earth. Ooh. But now it's not God's kingdom, it's the enemy's kingdom. And it wasn't until Jesus came and lived a perfect life as a human being, became the perfect sacrifice, the, the perfect lamb of God, voluntarily gave his life and was raised again, that he got the keys back. Because he, he told his disciples in uh, Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So... So we have now, since Jesus, we have a defeated kingdom that, that is still here on the earth, that is still operating, the kingdom of darkness, Satan's kingdom. It, it's still here. It is defeated, but... A good way to think about Satan's kingdom right now is, is to think about some of the islands in the Pacific where, where there were battles fought in World War II. And, and decades later, they, they would come to some of these islands and, and there would be Japanese army guys thinking that they're still fighting World War II and, and ready to kill anybody who comes to try to take that island because, man, they're, they're, they're still doing their stuff because they're, they're still under orders. And, and that is Satan's kingdom. And, and we, we're the ones who have to take that ground back. But, and this is kind of what we've been talking about, but when, when you see that what God has called us to do is actually exactly what he called Adam and Eve to do in the very beginning, you, you begin to see that, wow, this spiritual warfare stuff isn't just for those ultra-spiritual people. 
and, and those strange prophetic people or whatever. Uh, no, it, it's for human beings. And, and those specifically who have been born again now have spiritual potential capabilities and capacities that, that we didn't have before. Because, see here, well, I, I got to get into this. Okay. And then we'll, I'll, I'll try to tie it all together. So, <clears throat> the first thing God told Adam and Eve to do was to be fruitful. And what this means is what this uh, Hebrew word means. To bear fruit, to bring forth... Not specifically children, okay? To flourish, to cause to be, to make, to grow and increase. The idea is it involves bringing creativity into the rest of the earth through work and ideas springing forth out of lives lived in the presence of God into a world of unrealized potential. That's what that word means. Is, is there unrealized uh, potential in, in places on the earth where, where you either have influence or presence? <laughs> the answer is yes, everywhere I ever am. Right? <laughs> yeah. Especially right now. So this, this involves... This, this spiritual warfare, it, it involves bringing forth things, ideas, creativity, solutions that, that come forth from, from our being in the presence of God. He reveals things to us and we go and do and we make everybody's life better. This is why the free market system was, was such an amazing novel idea because those, those who come up with ideas to make things that, that people want and make their lives better, they're rewarded with profits. And then they get to do more. See, God never had a problem with that. This, this is actually what he was calling Adam and Eve to do, was to go make things that don't exist. And, and by the way, I'll, I'll help you because I'll share some of my wisdom and creativity and, and power with you so that you can actually do way more than you ever could do with just your own abilities and understanding. And see, here is... 
where being the people of God, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is absolutely necessary. Because if, if we think that God just told Adam and Eve, okay, go, go do this and report back to me in a lifetime, and, and I'll see how, because that's how we want to do it. We, we want to try to figure everything out with our own intellect and do everything in our own power and ability, and it's limited. It's very limited. If, if we can become a people who, who live our lives in God's presence and, and he, he actually shares things with us, which, which he wants to do to make our life better and everybody else's life better, uh, he, he ha- actually has solutions to all the problems that we have. And he even has solutions to problems we don't know about yet. And if he gave us some of those solutions, we would never have those future problems. So this is part of the Adam and Eve mandate. Why, Why didn't anybody ever tell me this before? I mean, I was so disgusted after about the 10th commentary and they say, and then God tells Adam and Eve to go have lots of children and populate the earth. Really? You guys know Hebrew and that's all you can pull out of this? So that's just the first one. Okay. I I mean, that's enough, right? If, If he just told us to do that. That, that would be great. If, if all of God's people on the earth would, would go forth and do this, man, what a change we, we would have. <laughs> I, I got to use one of Bill Johnson's jokes because it's just too funny. Because um, <laughs> he, he was talking about how he wanted people in the pharmaceutical industry, God's people, to to seek the Lord for wisdom on, on, all, on, on new treatments for, for disease and stuff because he, he's tired of seeing all these drug commercials where at the end they, they tell you, you know, it, it may do this, and, but you may have suicidal tendencies or homicidal tendencies and all these things. But, well, if, if it was a solution that came from God, it would be only good. And, and there wouldn't be any adverse side effects. It, it, so we, we desperately need some, some people of God. And, and maybe the solution is just eating what God made. Yeah. So, anyway, I better keep going because I've only made it through one. So the second thing that God tells Adam and Eve to do is, is to multiply. And, and that does refer to having children, okay? So to become many, to be abundant, uh, to become numerous or great, 
it expresses God's original mandate for humans to multiply on the earth. So God's intent was that as Adam and Eve had children and multiplied on the earth, that this, this beautiful garden place where they lived would, would just expand. That they, they would plant more good things and, and cultivate more good things and, and, and the, the really good part of earth would, would just expand across the face of the earth. But with, with God's creativity and innovativeness, there, the, the lifestyle, the, the quality of life uh, would, would just increase. As, as more new things would, would be invented and people's lives would, would be better, uh, it would it'd be easier to uh, take care of children. You know, diapers, that was quite a, an invention, right? <laughs> okay, well, that, that was a pretty easy one. So, so then the next one is, is fill the earth or replenish the earth, some translations. That's to complete, to fulfill, to finish, to satisfy. Consecrate. Replenish. The term pictures the act of making that which was empty of a particular content no longer empty, rather filling. And, and this involves a lot of things. Okay, there's, there's an aspect. Now, now, thinking back to what the earth was like in, in our discussion and our understanding, now, now the earth is filled with unrealized potential. There, there, there is a, a lack of things on, on most of the earth. It's, it's empty of, of lots of content. It's, it's empty of people at this point. And God is, is calling them to... And it, it's interesting that that part of the meaning of this is, is consecrate. And, and bringing what, what wasn't there, there. And, and to me, this speaks of us, the people of God, now, bringing the presence of God to places where it now is not. But it is needed. <laughs> because when we're talking about the presence of God, if there's some place where it's not, it's needed, right? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's something for all of us. And, and see, this, this isn't new for 21st century Americans. Believers, this is Genesis chapter 1. This was God's intent. 
that the people that he created would, would continue to live in his presence. They, they would be empowered with, with ideas, innovations, solutions, uh, with, with all these thoughts, and, and they, they would you know, move civilization in, into new areas, but, but they would be bringing him with them. I mean, just just imagine what what the earth would be like if if there hadn't been a fall, and and God was still walking the earth with all of us, and and we had a problem. Well, you need to go talk to God about that, because <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Well, hello, we can do that every day, right? But we don't think about it. We, we don't think about it as, as our mandate, as human beings. And, and even more specifically, our mandate as the people who follow God. I mean, this... Is, is your thinking changing? I... I hope so, because my thinking has been changing all week as I've been pouring over this stuff. Because, I mean, this, in a sense, it, it puts all of life in a different context. It's, we're, we're just doing with God what he wanted from the very beginning. And, and see, what, what's really interesting is when, when the keys were dropped by Adam and Eve and they were, they were picked up by the enemy, humans could no longer fill this mandate. So when you look at the story of Noah in, in Genesis 9, and, and the Lord gives Noah and the survivors their charge, what does he tell them to do? Be fruitful and multiply. Because they couldn't do the rest. Until Jesus got the keys back. So now in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his followers to go in, now go into all the world and teach them what I've been teaching you, everything. And he says in, in Luke uh, 19, maybe, uh, where is that one? Luke 10, he, he says that his followers will, will trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will be able to hurt you. So we're in this restored humanity because of Jesus. 
And, and as a result, see, here's, here's the thing that I think hit me the most this week is, see, these, these are no longer nice ideas. Spiritual warfare and expanding the kingdom. This, this is our mandate. This, this was what God wanted from the very beginning. And, and we're, we're called and equipped to be part of this. So, you know, passivity now, or, or just uh, non-entry in, into the, the war, takes on kind of a, a new light. It's not good. We, we don't really have that um, option in, in the arena of obedience. Because God didn't speak to Adam and Eve, you know, go, go do this and unless you're tired or, you know, unless there's something really good on TV or, yeah, you, you get the idea. What? <laughs> okay, so where was I? <laughs> I think we filled the earth, right? Okay. So, subdue the earth. And this, this is where it really comes into our context of spiritual warfare now. But... But God was speaking this to Adam and Eve. So what does the Hebrew word that's translated subdue mean? To tread down, to conquer, subjugate, bring into bondage, keep under, subdue, bring into subjection. And, and this next part is the best part. It means basically to overcome or subdue someone. It is used here to describe God's mandate to humans to subdue or overcome the created order. It is the same word is also used of Israel taking the promised land. And it's also used of the Lord's subduing, removing, crushing the iniquities of his people. And it's used of the Lord's people overcoming their enemies with his help in uh, Zechariah chapter 9. Hmm. See, we're, we're called to be overcomers. Adam and Eve and their descendants, they, they were to overcome the challenges of the created order so that 
they could rule over it. And what, what are we to overcome? Well, there's, there's a lot of things that we're called to overcome, uh, specifically in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. But one, one of the first things that, that we're called to overcome is to overcome our own flesh. To overcome that thing in us that cost Adam and Eve the keys to begin with. <laughs> That's the first thing. And, you know, does, does this sound a little bit like the, the progression of spiritual warfare that we talked about last week? It, it starts with yourself. And, and this, it's the same way with subduing the earth. You've you got to subdue yourself. Bring, see, this, this is how the, the government of God is brought to the earth. It's, it's one human being at a time. And, and as I... <clears throat> As I was preparing this week, I was, I was confronted with some of my own unbelief, I guess I would say, that, you know, and I, I hate to admit this, but I, I think I have to, because um, I guess this is confessing sin. That, you know, there, there have been people, and, and I, I can't really think of anybody specifically, but that, that I've met in, in the last couple years, I guess, that I thought, can even God solve this? You know, <laughs> God, are you, are you really big enough to... To, to bring order in, into this life. Uh, and and I, I've had to repent. I mean, because here, here is what we... We've, we've got to have our faith expanded, okay? Because what, what God can do in me, He can do in you. And what God can do in me, He can do in my family. And and if He if He can do that in a family, He can do it in a city. And if He can do it in a city, He can do it in a nation. And if He can do it in a nation, He can restore the world. So we we got to get beyond our our limited thinking because there there isn't anybody who has messed up their life so much that God can't bring order to it there just isn't 
He's, he's smarter than that. He's, he has more creative, restorative capability than any human being has destructive capability. Yes. <laughs> he does. We, we just have to seek his solutions. His, his wisdom, his creativity, his power. Because, I mean, I've seen him do some really amazing stuff in, in people's lives. Stuff that I never would have thought of and never would have been able to bring about. But for him, it's a piece of cake. So, you know, part, part of our responsibility in overcoming is what Jesus said in, in Revelation. And, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even unto death, which means they weren't afraid of dying. Because we know dying is just a promotion. So, we all have a testimony of what God has done in our own lives. And, and we need to take that to people who need God to begin to develop his own testimony in them. Because it, it's his work. See, this, this thing that he called Adam and Eve to, it was, it was so far out of their pay grade that it wasn't even funny. I mean, they, they hadn't even been to college. <laughs> they hadn't even been to preschool, right? But they had access to the one who was the fount of all wisdom. I mean, they, they had direct, face-to-face -face access. And... And they, if they just wouldn't have messed up, they would have been able to pull it off and things would be really, really wonderful by now. So, oh, there's one more. <laughs> and that's to rule over, which is to have dominion, to prevail against, to reign it's related to the exercise of authority by the priesthood. Huh. And we are priests. <laughs> we are a holy priesthood. Yeah. Theologically significant is the use of this word to identify humanity, humanity's God-ordained relationship to the created world around them. So... We, we were created to rule with Jesus. We, we weren't created to rule on our own. 
because that would not be good. So we, we couldn't really do any of these things, any of these five, on our own. But in relationship, in, in living our lives in, in the presence of the one who gave this mandate, there, there is wisdom and creativity and power to, to actually do it all. And see, it's, it's those who, this, this is my understanding, and I, I think, I think I'm, I'm gaining uh, a little understanding of Bill Johnson's unique theology uh, after listening to these messages. See, he will never talk about his eschatology. But uh, see, a lot of what I'm talking about the people of God have, have just said, well, well, yeah, but that's, that's all going to take place in the millennium. And, and we, we just kind of push it off that way as, you know, we don't really have to worry about that now because God's just going to take, take care of it all. Well... Who is it that's going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus in the millennium? <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the ones who have pushed all this responsibility off on some future time and future people. It's, it's going to be the ones who decide to enter into this now. And it, it's not like earning a promotion, but it's showing yourself faithful with what is available now. And, and there's more available now than, than any of us are fully entering into. So, I was challenged by this. I mean, I am, I, I've been excited about giving this message for a, a few days, because, I mean, I, I love giving a message that I can say, wow, this, this kind of changes everything. And at least for me, getting ready for today, this, this was one of those messages. This, this changes the way I think. That, that God hasn't, you know, called just a few of us in, into this restoration of all things idea. This, <laughs> this was his idea in Genesis chapter 1. And so let's, let's enter into this. You know, I'll, I'm going to send these notes out too because, I mean, 
Uh, let's see, where's page one? There we go. Uh, I, I want to pray over us today. Uh, Father, I, I just thank you for your, your wisdom. Uh, <laughs> shouldn't surprise us that you thought of everything from the beginning, but it takes us a while to catch on sometimes. And Lord, I, I pray for, for us as a people, Lord, that, that we would enter into your mandate for humans, to, to be fruitful, to multiply, to, to fill the earth, to bring forth what isn't, to, and, and to bring it. To be a people of your presence who can release your, your presence where it isn't, and, and your power to heal, your power to save, where it's needed, your, to bring your solutions where, where they're needed, uh, to overcome all the powers of the enemy, to overcome self and self-centeredness and selfishness, um, and help us to, to enter into a partnership dominion with you in, in whatever realm that we are given stewardship over. And Lord, don't let us shrink back. Expand our faith. Lord, deliver us from unbelief and, and put people in our path this week who, who need your solutions, your power, your presence, your, your salvation, your healing, so we can see your kingdom expand and, and see the forces of darkness further retreat because they're already defeated. And we, we thank you for what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, and for his glory, amen. <laughs> well, if anybody needs the Lord's intervention in any way this morning, we invite you to come up and, and receive prayer, because we'll, we'll have the prayer team up here and... I'll be up here to pray with anybody who needs it. So be blessed. <laughs>